Hey everyone. Welcome to the Squad Pod. Here's your host, my dad, Troy Dog. Alright people, welcome to another episode of the Squad Pod. I'm your host, Troy Dog, the CEO of Vermoto.com, and this is the most listened to show on the Vermoto Podcast Network. I don't know if you knew that, but it's absolutely facts. So today my guest is Phil Nicoletti. We're going to talk about his amateur career and how he got to where he's at today. I have some, I went back and looked up some dirt on him, found some old news articles, and he wasn't sure what he remembered, but actually remembers a lot. So stick around for that at the end. But right now, I'm going to introduce my co-host today. He writes for Bloxham Construction. He's a Troy Dog Squad elite athlete. It's Ashton Bloxham. What's up, Ash Doggy? What's up, Troy? Doing just, uh, doing some pods, man. Hanging out with you. Heck yeah, I'm just sitting here eating some lunch between um, my heading back to the job site, you know, not a day. Uh, did you get me a smoothie? No, I didn't. I barely got one myself. The first one spilled all over the truck, so uh, I had to get a second one. Dude, you all cleaned up? Like, it's all over you right now? Uh, it's not all over me, but it's all over <laughs> the tools and everything. It ain't cleaned up. It's going gonna, it's gonna to live there just gonna live there the rest of the day just don't even clean it up ever just like just let it sit just wait till it stinks bad enough to where i have to let it really seep into the carpet and everything so i was thinking so i'm glad you're joining me today uh you're kind of the squad's best kept secret but i don't want you to be a secret anymore i kind of like being a secret though nobody knows me but i'm just i'm part of it and then people find out i'm part of it they think it's cool or, or not I mean, it is cool. And it, that's not, our goal is to not make you be a secret. We want you to be out in the world and let people know who you are and tell your story, you know? Yeah, next summer we'll have a story for sure. They'll know me. Well, that's the thing. Like, you raced outdoors all year. You you made Thunder Valley, and that yep. was very cool. You finished 31st overall in 250 class. You were right on that yeah. bubble all year of making all the mains, too. Yeah, I think I would have been a couple more. I just got to stay off the ground, but you know, nothing too, nothing um, too special in my eyes. But we did get in the one, so that was good. And you, you started parking by the Rock River guys. Um, you pit out of, out of the side of their semi. Did you get any like autograph signings, or did you like were people asking for jerseys? Like, what's up? Yeah. Um... I did sign a couple autographs, really. I started, I was at the Rock River, first round was at Redbud. And then, yeah, I had people come up at Redbud. Just being by the rig, that's where people walk by. And they, yeah. um, you know, you're by the rig, they think you're you're something special where they know you're not. And everybody wants an autograph. And especially they want, they want jerseys and goggles like crazy. But I don't got those to hand out. So I had to tell no quite a few on, few times on that and then they usually don't want an autograph but those that did just want an autograph they got one for sure did he, um did he, was cool we had a lot of people there because we were parked with uh star and stuff so there and uh unadilla had a lot of autographs at unadilla dude making it yeah i had pictures i think i held a baby signed a shirt you i don't have baby? the picture but that picture would be cool to have dude you held a baby i did i held a, a baby like it might have been the first baby I've ever held, to be honest with you, and I signed it. 
I think I think my kids count. Like when you were, were at my house, he was like one. Did you help? Did you hold Sam when you were at the house? No, I've never, never really held a kid. Oh, never okay. wanted to drop it. But that that guy just handed it to me, man. <laughs> Shout out that guy if he yeah. remembers or he knows me. He's listening. Did you uh, Did you sign the baby? I did. I signed its shirt. You just said its shirt. <laughs> it, sorry, yeah, I signed the baby shirt. I didn't know, you know. I just got put in my face, signed it, held it, took a picture, and gave it back. I need that picture. Whoever it is, and if you're a listener of this pod, I need that picture. It's got to be on somebody's Facebook. Like, had a great time at Unadilla. Here's little Bobby with so-and-so. Yeah, little Bobby. Was that was that the baby's name, Bobby? I don't know. I don't know if it was a boy or a girl. I was just rocking with little Bobby. <laughs> hey, you know what's cool? When I was at Indy, I took a, a photo with a family. They thought I was Marshall Welton. Really? Oh yeah. I had his gear on and everything and walk around the pits. They're like, Hey Marshall, you care? And it's on video for the the vlog. Oh we yeah, yeah, I saw that. I Dude. Saw that. Yeah. I felt so cool. That's awesome. Man, I at Loretta's one year. I my first year, I was I think I was fourteen. I got done with racing Friday, so I had no motos on Saturday. And um one of my buddy's moms, she's a little crazy, so I won't put her name out there, but I love her to death. She woke me up in my camper about midnight and wanted me to go down to the beer tent with her. And I went down there on a Friday night at Loretta's. Don't know if you've ever been to the beer tent, but it's I've been there. a little rowdy. Been there. And I was down there, and it was one of the – at that time – being 14 or 15, it was pretty crazy to see what was going on. Like, I had I had Malcolm Stewart and Wes Kane come up to me, and they had, like, a fake snake and a cooler when you opened it, and then everybody started believing I was the kid from Bad Grandpa because I was super chunky, <laughs> and I kind of looked like him. And my friend's mom, when we were – Going down there, she was like, I have a plan. I want to tell everybody I'm your agent and you're the kid from Bad Grandpa, but you also race motocross on the side. So she went around and was telling everybody that I was this kid from Bad Grandpa. And everybody bought it. West Kane bought it. Malcolm bought it. whole group of people bought it. And I have this picture of me with like 15 people and everybody's just going crazy. And it just says, took a pic with the kid from Bad Grandpa and then... Uh, yeah, can you went send- back to my camper and uh, that was it. But that was a pretty wild story, dude. Can you send me that photo? Yeah, let me find. Dude, that's amazing. <laughs> it was crazy, dude. I've never even heard that one before. You never told me that. That's amazing. No, I forgot about it until you just said someone thought you were Marshall Welton. But yeah, the backtrack on that when she woke me up in the camper, that was her plan. Like she wanted me to go down there and see if we could pull that off or not. And then Wes Kane believes it. I love that. Wes believed it and Malcolm. They both gave me like a speech of um, of like how cool it was that I'm able to race and like find time for acting and stuff. It was pretty funny. I, I doubt they remember it because, you know, everybody was having fun, a little loose. But uh, yeah, it's definitely funny. Did you ever tell them after like a little bit that it, you really weren't that kid? Or do they still believe it? No, we just went with it, dude. Nobody down there That's was, amazing. I mean, sober. So, like, they were just down for a good time on a Friday night at Loretta's, and we played into it. 
That's amazing. Beer tent, man. Yeah. Beer tent is, yeah. uh, yeah, there's nothing to do there. There's no service. Nothing to do. Just go down to the beer tent and you find out, I don't know, you just, you, you hear some stuff down there, that's for sure. Yeah, and exactly. Nobody knew who I was either, so it's not like the next day they'd see me and be like, dude, so I, I didn't even know who they were, so, yeah. Fun times. That was a good time. Yeah, and Loretta's is a special place. I first signed you to the squad then. I was like Bobby Reagan. I plucked you out of the amateur ranks. I said, you're on my team. Uh, this is actually your third year with the, the squad, so that it, that went fast. It is my third year, and it, it doesn't feel like it's been that long. No. Cause I was hurt for about a year and a half of it, but um, yeah, no, it's been fun for sure. It's me and Grant at first, and now we're expanding, so that's cool. Yeah, we have six riders this year. How do you feel about this team right now? And a team manager. I think we're pretty strong, honestly. I mean, we got some some solid dudes for sure. Um, Grant's got number 23 for next year. Unreal. Marshall always does good. Derek always does good. Um, Yeah, no, and then we got Danny Stevenson. Didn't know who he was, to be honest with you. I knew him from Twitter. I've seen a clip of him. In the 90s motocross uh, Instagram post of him uh, battling for the lead. And then, yeah, I didn't know he was a champion, so he told us. But that's pretty cool. He's a Cowboys fan, too, dude. I've seen him posting on Twitter. Is he? I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, no, he should. uh, I'm a Cowboys fan, too. So he should. uh, we should get together and talk football. I love that. Yeah, everybody I've talked to, like, I I don't know who Denny is. I'm like, "You you better learn quick. Cause this guy's done it, and he's a champ, and we have him. Yeah, I know. He seems crazy too. I like crazy. Dude, he's awesome. He's always stirring the pot on Twitter. You love that? I love that. I, you know, I back down from it a little bit because <laughs> you know, sometimes I get a little carried away. But yeah, no, it's always fun stirring the pot on social media because to me, it's not that serious. Yeah, you you've really cut back on it. You used to like the the funniest stuff. Like I always go to your likes and just. <laughs> See what you were looking at. Yeah, no, I've I've come back on social media quite a bit. Just you know, kind of taking a step back. Just been like, you know, need to ramp it back back up, nothing. man. Ramp it back up. This is what we're here for. We need to. I'll ramp it back up on Twitter for sure, but yeah. uh, I'm gonna need to get some more riding pictures for Instagram. True, true that. Yeah, this is cool. It's uh, I don't know, man. Like like this pod. This is a perfect place for people to get to know everybody. And I'm bringing you guys on as co-hosts. There's just more opportunities, just in a, all you guys being elite athletes. Like, this is what you have. You have a pod to tell your story, and then I write about you and all kinds of other stuff. But it's just kind of taken off, and I can't go to a race without somebody mentioning, like, hey, how do I get a, a part of this? So I think it's growing. Yeah, it's pretty secret, you know. You got to be – it's more secretive than Red Bull, honestly. Like, yeah. hats and everything, they're more rare. The merch is more rare. Yeah, we have the to, riders we, are we have more rules rare. against it, you know? We can't just like pass out to everybody. No, no, for sure. Yeah, it's an exclusive deal. Anyway. Man, um, I got a funny story about that though at Washugal. Um I went to the AMA the AMA rig for uh tech and there was a guy there and I was pushing my bike through and he goes, Oh, he's okay, he's part of the squad. And I was like, "What is he talking about? Like, no way. The AMA squad? Like I'm part of the I'm part of the AMA squad? Like he's seen me at all the rounds or what?" And I kept I kept walking the bike, and um, he was like, "What's up, Ashton? Like this, that, and the other." I'm like, "I don't know." 
don't know who this guy is, like, at all. And then I walk through, and I go back, and I'm telling Grant the story. And he was like, oh, yeah, that's so-and-so from Twitter. And I was like, oh, he was talking about the Troy Squad. Like, that's what's up. Like, I thought that was pretty cool. That is cool. See, we're bigger than yeah. you think. We're bigger than you I think. I know. I, was, I mean, I was so taken back. I thought he meant, like, the AMA squad. I was like, <laughs> I mean, sure. I mean, yeah, I got a membership, but yeah, I, got I didn't know we had an exclusive club. No, man, that's the yeah. power of the squad. Like, we get Wygant saying, like, hard dog on the broadcast now. Like it's, Yeah, no, that's taken off for sure. You know? So, it's just something cool to be a part of. And I'm happy the next year we're going bigger than ever before. And I have good good vibes about the whole thing, really. Me too. Next year should be good for everybody. It's going to be amazing. So, I have Phil coming on, Phil Nicoletti. You know him pretty well. You actually the one that introduced me to him. Um, I am. I love Phil. I don't know if he loves me back, but I love Phil. You have some funny stories about Phil too. Um, there was one story, perhaps in the JGR rig, where you were stealing all their snacks, and he was yelling at you. Yeah. So <laughs> I trained with uh, Shannon Nidey for a while growing up, and uh, when I first started training with Shannon, I think I trained with him maybe a week and he said he was going off to california and my dad put me on a plane with him at 6 a.m on a random morning and i flew out there and um shannon has shannon has a couple daughters and they never confirmed it or not i don't even know if i'm allowed you know like say it out loud but i think phil was dating one and she pretty much became my babysitter for the trip. So we went to uh, Glen Helen and Hangtown. And she kind of became responsible for me. So she was always at the JGR rig with Phil. And, uh, yeah, I I took full reign of that. I mean, I got to walk in there and I just act like I owned the place. I was eating burgers and snacks and opening drawers and going to the bathroom. I was going upstairs, um, like Josh Grant was getting ready. And I just went up there and I sat next to him. Like, I think I was the, before the moto he won. So oh, I mean, honestly, I could take credit for that. I mean, I was up there hyping him up, just some little chubby kid, just making him laugh. So I had him in a good mood, good spirits, uh, helped him get the moto win for sure. I'm going to claim that. Yeah, I would claim that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That was you. But, uh. Phil, I drove Phil nuts probably all day, Glen Helen. Um, went to Hangtown, and I started doing the same thing. And, um, you know, I probably, probably finally set Phil off enough to where um, Shannon's daughter had to kind of be like, hey, Ashton, like, can't be running around like that. So then, you know, I hurt my feelings a little bit. But, uh, yeah, after that, I, I didn't go back in there. But for the first round, I was for sure going crazy. He actually has a nickname for you, dude. What is, what is his nickname for you? His nickname for me is uh, Motor Mouth because uh, the first time I met him was a few nights before the first round at Glen Helen, and um, we were going to dinner, and we were driving a van, and it was me, Shannon, his daughter, and we were there like, yeah, we're going to pick up Phil. And I was like, I don't know who Phil is. Like, I never heard of him. Didn't know a single thing about him. He comes walking out of the hotel, head to toe in JGR. And I first thought was like, oh my gosh, it's like a JGR fanboy. Like, no way. Like, I just couldn't. 
younger me could not contain myself and he opens the door and I was like, look at this JGR wannabe. And he just like looked at me and Shannon was like, dude, no, he's like, he's on JGR. And I was like, there's no way. And so me and him were just going back and forth the whole ride there. And yeah, he nicknamed me Motormouth because the first thing I ever said to him was, look at this JGR fanboy or something like that. It was something along the lines of that. It was pretty funny. And what's even funnier about that is that was probably what, 2013 or something? Like 2012? It's 2013 or 2014. Yeah. It was uh, one of those years. But Phil was able, Phil was riding the 450 class in outdoors that year. So I don't know how much you've conversed since then, but when you put us on that text thread together, he just was like, how do you know mouth? And that was like, I was like, oh, is that what you call him? I'm like, that's funny that yeah, you didn't I mean, remember. We weren't, uh, we weren't best friends after that, but he always, um, he knew me. He followed me for a while. He unfollowed me. I don't, that's, that's a topic for a different day, but uh, that's okay. And I would message him on Instagram. He'd get back to me here and there. And then if I saw him at a supercross or an outdoor, he would, Say what's up, um, ask me how I'm doing, talk to me for a sec, talk to me about racing, and then it always ends with me asking for a jersey, and he uh, flips me the bird and just tells me never. So, you know, one day we're going to get that jersey, though, but that's about as far as the communication goes between me and Phil. It's not every day, but we see each other at least once a year. Oh, you'll get one, I think. I think it's coming. Maybe. I don't think so, man. We're yeah. almost 10 years now. I don't know. I love that he just he just throws that middle finger away when when you ask for one. That's that's classic Phil. No, it is. I need a picture with him flipping the bird. I mean, I see all these kids with one. I need one too. I know. It's like you made it if you get that. Oh, dude, yeah, that's a photo for sure. <laughs> and the best part about it is, I think some people think it's an act for Phil. That's really Phil. Like he don't like people. Yeah, that's true. Like, you know, it's it's definitely not an act. He is uh, 100% himself no matter what, even if yeah, he doesn't no, know you. Yeah, that's pretty awesome because I don't like people either. Yeah. No, you really, I mean, you kind of don't. Yeah. No, yeah, no. If you're, you're, if you're my friend, I love you to death. I got your back. If not, I'm not really a fan. I'm glad I made the cut. You up inside of me. You know? Yeah, no, you made the cut. You're pretty cool. You're like, I like you. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay in your book. Yeah, for sure. You're, you're cool. You got a <laughs> podcast, man. Look at you. Yeah, I know. I'm, that's probably why I'm cool. They just We'll get on the pod and, yeah, you're just using me, bro. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if we're going to be friends after this weekend, though. We play each other in fantasy football, so I got to get in the playoffs. I was going to bring that up. I'm actually – Yeah. I'm, I'm actually going to bring that up um, because I don't know if you know this, but I started off like losing the first like five games. Oh, yeah, you're terrible. Playing you is like having a bye week. Oh, uh, okay. So, yeah, I've, I've clawed my way back. I made a lot of great moves as a GM here, and I'm, I'm in the playoff hunt. I know. You scooped up my tight end I dropped after a bye week. I was pretty salty, but, yeah, you're – You've been making moves for sure. You're toast, Crazy bro. Just you're, you're, I'm not you're toast. done. No. This week is uh, big. And if you go on Twitter in a couple days, it, it's going to be brutal because uh, you're, you're going to lose, man. Like, I'm going to really hype this up. I'm down, man. I mean, I'd put money on it, too. I mean, 
No, oh, me. You're still in last, bro. Yeah, for now. But there's like three of us tied, you know? So. Yeah, I see that. We just need Grant to lose everything. Like, just. Oh, Grant's team is done, dude. I Toasted. Hope... He has so many people hurt. That's good for me, then. I'm going to come back and win all this. Yeah. So. It's going to be yeah. tough for sure, but. Yeah, it's going to be a rough Ginger's week. making a comeback, too. She came back from like. Seventh to third. Yeah, I know. She's like, I, she's like, I live for this right now. That's what she literally told me about That's that the crazy. other night. Man, I can't believe you even can talk to her right now. I'd be so mad I wouldn't even talk to her. I'd be like, nah, babe, can't talk to playoffs are over. Well, I'm I'm not in the playoffs yet. I'm in last, like you said, but it's gonna be a bloodbath for you this weekend, dude. Like, I, <laughs> I feel bad for you. Because oh, no. it's gonna be rough. I'm, I'm looking forward to it, man. It's gonna be, no. yeah, it's gonna be all out. Mm-mm. But uh, did you happen to uh, look into the regional Supercross data banks? I the... did. Okay. Well, as people know, we do the power rankings every week on VerbMoto.com, and Guts Racing is a proud sponsor of that. There, uh, yeah, proud sponsor of the power rankings and this segment on this show. And for 33 years, Guts Racing has prided themselves in being the innovators in seat technology. If you're looking for a comfortable and stylish place to park your end on your dirt bike, then look no further. Guts carries an extensive product line of seat covers and foam, no matter what you ride. Use the promo code VERB20 at checkout to save. Have you used Guts before? Um, I used them a while back, but yeah. I usually just have... Um... Man, I don't, I don't even know who does my seat covers. Redane at Merch uh, knows some guys that, uh, man, I can't even think of it. I don't know what seat covers I use, but I did. I'm pretty sure I met the Guts people while I was in California training with Carrie. Every Tuesday, we would go to a little taco shop, and um, I believe it was the owner and his wife were sitting there, and we got introduced to them. And um, Yeah, they told me they loved you, my seat covers, but... I didn't need any at the moment, but they're great seat covers. I used them growing up, you know, so yeah, I support it. Andy Gregg, he's a great person. He's the owner of Guts, and man, it's just, you can have any, the coolest part about Guts, you have any color you want, like all the ribs, you can just customize it. There's 17 colors to choose from. You know, if you're Hunter Yoder, you're sitting on a concrete seat. If you're Benny Bloss, you have a tall seat. They have every option available, so I would think... You should look into that for next year. Just try to get a customized. So. They got a highlighter yellow to match my grips. Yeah, they can definitely make that. Ooh, yeah, we might have to make that happen then yeah. for sure. You have to. So maybe get that going. But the Guts Racing Power Rankings this week is we're doing our all-time favorite 250SX regional title fights or just whatever year you, you thought it was great. doesn't have to be the best. It's just our favorite. So we'll do from third to first. Who, what is your third pick for favorite title fight? Third pick? Yeah. Uh, hang on. Someone's trying to talk to me. Hang on. Give me, give me one second. One second. You can't do that, bro. I am not the builder. Uh, yeah. All right. Thanks, man. Yeah, dude. I, I just look like the builder, I guess. That's uh, that's the power of being a bloxum, you know what I'm saying? Sorry. So, uh, regional... <laughs> Are we still going? Yeah, we're still going. We're, we're uh, not okay, cutting we're that. we're still going. Just keep that in. Just keep that Just in. Keep he wouldn't leave me alone, dude. He was like about to come knocking on my door. Yeah. Um, 
the top three 250 regionals championships. Is that, is that for uh, Supercross, I'm assuming, not outdoors? Yeah, just do 250 uh, SX. Number three. Okay. Um, you know, I was researching them, so I can't remember all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always thought this one was cool. I'm not going to act like I paid attention to Supercross that much when I was eight years old, but uh, for that reason, I'm going to put Trey Kennard's 2008 uh, rookie season championship is number three for me because um, that's just insane to me. Coming in and winning it your rookie year, that to me is pretty cool. So that's number three for me. I have that number two. Yeah, that was an unreal year. Just because he took it to Villapoto, he like won the first three races that year. And then um, it was just a battle. Like Villapoto had to claw back from, from a bad indie, I think. And then at one point him and Josh Grant – got together and then that last couple rounds was crazy because canard and him canard and him came together and Villapoto ended up going into a uh the side of the finish line in st louis too so that was just a standout year for for racing yeah that was awesome for sure good stuff what do you have is uh well i'll do number three number three is really uneventful it's uh 04 250 east because Stu, i was like obsessed with it at the time and every time that he was out on the track he was just making everyone look silly. So I was like, I can't wait to see how much he wins by this weekend and what he jumps. Like, that was really why I tuned in. That's awesome. I can't, you know, I don't have any comments on it because I was uh, three years old at that time. So, you're still uh, in diapers, yeah, bro. Yeah, I'm off for a James Stewart championship. God, you're so young. Okay. What do you have at number two? Number two. Okay, number two. I was stuck between two of them, but... Um, I think number two is going to have to be, I think it was 2014. It was um, Anderson winning the, I don't know what post it was, but it was when Sealy would win every main event down to the last lap and like the last few turns, and Anderson would just turn on the heaters, come past him, and just win last second. To me, when I was a kid, that was just so cool to me, like just He'd turn it on last lap and get the win done last second. It wasn't, wasn't cool for Sealy, but uh, as a fan, that was pretty awesome to watch. Dude, he did like three weekends in a row or something like that. Yeah, I mean, it seemed like every weekend that was just his plan was to just let Sealy lead the race, show him the good lines, and then last last minute just turn on the heaters and uh, get the job done. <laughs> just demoralizing. I forgot about that. This last second, last uh, lap yeah. passes. All right, so Crazy. I had... I had number two as my 2008 East, like you did, number three. But um, you go ahead and who's your first pick? Number one is Zach Osborne, 2018, yeah. passing Zavachi in the last, the second to last turn, coming coming from behind after falling on the start. Because for me, that was a big win for the short guys there. Um and that whole race was just crazy. He had to come back from dead last. And uh, controversial, last pass. But to me, that was uh, awesome, pure heart. So that, for me, is number one for sure. I wonder if that's going to be Slaw's pick, too, because that's definitely mine. That There's no other. Like, that main event was so cool. And just see him come back like that. That was awesome. Yeah. I mean, when he came into those, um, I think it was like a, a – a 180 triple right 90 into like a whoop section 180 whoop section when he first entered that first whoop section Savachi was like in the apex of the 180 and he caught him 
a whole whoop section lean. Like he did two sets of whoops in the time Savachi did one. So that yeah. was crazy. That was just sending it. He's on a heater. Yeah, that was an unreal battle. And that that's my number one as well. I think we're going to have like a – I think that's going to be Slaus too. I don't know. I haven't seen his list. And he doesn't make the right choices in life, but I don't know how you can not pick that one. Yeah, no, that, that has to be everybody's number one. For sure. Cool. Good picks, man. Yeah, we kind of had the same Thank same you. ones, but um, yeah, it was good. Um, Guts Racing. Verb 20 at checkout to save. And possibly Ashton Bloxham will be running Guts Racing in 2024. Yeah, no, that'd be cool. Right now I don't have any sponsors. So just, uh, just me, Dad, uh, and uh, you. So, you know, anybody. I mean, yeah. wants to help me out, you know, let me know. Yeah, he's looking for people. So if you want to help out, Ashton Bloxham. Number 866 in the program, number one in your heart. He's the guy. He's going right. to make some moves in 24. your baby. I'll even watch your baby if you need. He can hang out in my pit at the races. Just let me know. Yeah, you do well. I mean, you've, you've been around my kids. You, you play with them and you have fun. And, you know, like it's if you need a babysitter, hit up Ash Doggy. He'll, he'll do a good job. Kids love me. I think it's because we're in the same state of mind. That's a good point. I think we view the world the same. Just, just stoked to be here. Just ready to do anything at any time. Yeah, it's the, the way of life for kids. You just you don't know what one minute to the next. You don't know what they're gonna be into, and you just kind of have to send it. Just like whatever, make it happen. Yeah, no, that's kind of me right now. I mean, whatever you know. Well, thanks, man. Thanks for joining me as co-host. This was fun. We'll do it again. Of course. Thanks for having me. Yeah, dude. And uh, well, before we go, yeah. Phil, if you're listening to this, you owe me a jersey, man. Yeah, Just Phil. saying. Yeah, Phil. You owe him a jersey. I don't think Phil's uh, going to listen to this, but... Um, Phil's definitely not listening to this. Yeah. But, um, you know, if we, get, if we get it going on Twitter, he just might see it. Should we just keep bothering him until he does it? I mean, I've been bothering him for years, but uh, I'm down to bother him some more, to be honest with you. Let's do it. I think that's the only way to do it. I mean, it, I think he'll like it. Yeah, no, for sure. I think it'd be cool. Yeah. All right, we'll get that happening, and we'll get an update next time you're on. Awesome, yeah. Sounds good, man. All right, Broski. Well, uh, we'll talk to you soon, and uh, take care. All right, you too. Later. See you, man. All right, thanks to Ashton Bloxham for co-hosting with me. And before I get into this interview with Phil Nicoletti, I just want to preface it by saying... Like, everyone knows who Phil is now. But, like, where'd he come from? Like, he's been at this for a very long time. He's part of my generation. He's a little older than me, even. Um, and amateur racing was very different back in those days. You know, you race locally. There weren't all these training facilities. Um, and that's how you got your racecraft. And Phil has had to grind his entire career to get to where he is today. And I think it's really cool he's still in it. So we didn't really dive into anything what he's doing today because, you know, like he said, he's a media darling. He has uh, plenty of opportunities to tell people about every race he's ever done. But now let's dive into the amateur days. Let's see where he's come from and how he got here. So here's my interview with Phil Nicoletti, and I hope you enjoy. I'll see you on the other side. All right. A very special guest is joining me today on the squad pod. It's a... Man, it's it's a it's a fan favorite. It's uh, he needs no introduction, but I'm gonna give him one anyway. It's Muck Off FXR Club MX Team Rider Phil Nicoletti. 
What's up, Phil? Hey, how are you? Uh, thanks for having me on. Um, uh, pumped to be here, doing something for Verb. Can't believe it. You know? I know, man. You give everyone else all of your time, and, and we yeah, finally got you. you. Nah, don't bullshit a bullshit. It's because you guys don't give me any of your time. You know, I know how it is. That is true. It's on me. I didn't even come by the the tent this year and see you guys, but March Banks told me to come over whenever. So, and did we? Nope. So it's on you. That is on me. But you know, (laughs) next year's a fresh start. Yeah. uh, Yes. Clean slate. You know. Um, No, it's cool. I appreciate it. Um, You know, I'm uh, looking forward to uh, yeah the bullshit that we get into and uh, and talk about and yeah see where we end up. Yeah, so the the topic tonight is your amateur career. Like everyone knows you now, um, they know like literally every move you make. But I want to talk about the beginnings. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, we're gonna have to go way back. Um, I don't know how far back you want to go, uh, dude. We're going back to the very beginning, March fourth, March fourth, nineteen eighty nine, beginning. <laughs> Well, uh, for going back that far, uh, let's say we got a we got a dirt bike in '94, Christmas or '93, Christmas. Uh, yeah, Santa Claus bought me a dirt bike, PW50, a pink one. Um, and who would have known it would have been Santa Claus's worst Christmas gift he could ever got me? Um, and it was just kind of a downward spiral spiral from there. We uh, I started riding downstairs in the basement of my house. Um, you know, it was kind of before we knew the throttle was could kind of adjust it or whatever. And I mean, I don't know. My fucking dad set me up for failure. I mean, he's. I mean, I was in enclosed quarters with you know, a cement foundation. I mean, it could only go wrong, you know, so fast. And I wish YouTube was around back then. So, um, yeah, I kind of smoked the smoked the concrete wall, and then that kind of put the. Uh, put the P-Dub away for a little while and when spring came back around we uh, started all over again and started at a real local level I mean I was uh, from bumfuck New York so we didn't really have a whole lot around by me and I was fortunate enough to grow up on a bunch of property and uh, yeah you know my dad built me a track with a little Yonmar uh, bucket tractor for what it was and I was really fortunate now looking back that I had my own place I could ride because um you know, there was no way my parents could have brought me to any practice tracks, you know, or there's no facilities or anything back then. So I was truly grateful for that. And then that was kind of the start of it, you know, uh, 94, 95. And, um, yeah, I'm on fifties on limbs and kind of took off. So, okay. Your first ride at your, you grew up at a farmhouse, like you said, um, mm-hmm. but your first race was at Southwoods in Monticello. Yeah, yeah. Well, fuck, you did your research, huh? Yeah, South Southwoods in uh, Monticello. So I grew up uh, two miles from the original Woodstock, 1969. You know, uh, hippies, peace and love, weed, um, acid, whatever. So that was uh, that was around from where I was at. Um, and Southwoods wasn't uh, wasn't far from there, about 20 minutes from the house. So. Um, yeah, I kind of got into it and my dad raced, you know, when he was kind of a kid or a little bit older, but he didn't have a whole lot of money. Um, his family didn't have a whole lot of money. So, uh, he kind of bum rides with certain people, but he enjoyed the sport, but the whole Nicoletti side was a bunch of motorheads to begin with. He sat their own Harley dealership and whatnot. So, um, motors and two wheels kind of, I guess was in the blood a little bit, um, 
and we kind of just went down that route. Um, I don't, you know, looking back at it now, I don't think we ever thought it would get to this point. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty wild. So yeah, I did I did some research, like I said, but like you can tell, mm-hmm. but you you have four siblings, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm the I'm the oldest of five, so I got three sisters and a brother. So, um, yeah, my family wasn't my parents weren't messing around. Um, they're all they're all quite successful. One's a lawyer. Uh, one worked for the Yankees, and now she works for a hedge fund company. And my other one is in law law enforcement. My other brother has a uh, geology degree. Um, going to be a teacher. So, uh, I'm the I'm the fucking loser in the family that rides dirt bikes. So. I really didn't amount, amount to much compared to them. Um, so, yeah, our, our household was uh, very hectic. Family of seven. And then, you know, on the weekends, you know, a couple siblings had some friends over. And it was uh, it was wide Clyde. There was very, very little peace in the Nicoletti household. Did, you, did your siblings have any interest in riding? No, I mean, uh, it's actually kind of funny. Um my my sister they all do ride um a couple of them had their street bike licenses and stuff like that um and i don't have my street bike license fyi so um i'm not allowed on the road my old man said if i get my street bike license never to come home so 34 years old i'm still staying true to that um but yeah my sisters all ride and um they actually ride their boyfriends on on the back of you know, the dirt bikes sometimes or their, or their street bikes. So it's very, uh, <laughs> uh, what would you, what would you call? I wouldn't even know what you would call that. Um, demoralizing. Yeah. Demoralizing. Mm-hmm. If you're a man and your chicks riding you, you know, on a dirt bike or a street bike. So, um, yeah, my sisters do pretty good. They can get around. Okay. But like racing, that was kind of just your deal. Nah, it was just me. Just me. We couldn't afford to have multiple people racing. <laughs> Is that uh, even though bikes are expensive now, even back then they were still pretty expensive. So, um, you know, it's just uh, yeah, it wasn't feasible. Plus, I had a, they, my my family. They were in stick and ball sports. Like my sisters played basketball and soccer and that sort of stuff. So um, they 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 had their own entities, which was cool. So did you dabble into that stuff as well, or was it just everything racing? Uh, yeah, so, I mean, I never did baseball or football um, because I was always in season of riding dirt bikes. So, no. um, you know, I was always against, going against the football players or whatever because they always thought they were big badasses in high school. You know, they'd wear their jersey on game days and whatever, you know. Um, so I always thought that was kind of pretty fucking corny but i did try out for the basketball team and you know like i said i i came from a small town and we merged with three other schools and my graduating class was like 140 or 150 so before we had even merged i think my graduating class would have been 40 maybe 50 max so quite a small area but out for the basketball team and I tried out three years in a row, and I just wanted to practice with the team. <laughs> I didn't want to play in any fucking games because I always took winners off because I never went down south or did any of that. So I wanted to stay active, and um, I wanted to do it, you know, with the team or with people. But uh, I got cut every year, so I wasn't talented enough to uh, to make the uh, low-grade basketball team in my hometown. Yeah, but that's also an interesting thing about you. You, you graduated public school, and, and you went through the whole thing. 
Yeah, well, I I went to my last year and I actually left oh. uh, my senior year and I ended up getting my GED. Um, but I made it a lot farther than everybody else. So, and I do have my GED to to prove it, which is uh, was a hard enough test on its own. FYI, should have just stayed in school and finished it. But um, yeah, I kind of took the leap of faith. And I'm like, dude, I got to get out of here and try and make a run at it when I was a senior. Um, and looking back, it kind of worked out. I didn't think it was going to for a couple of years but it did yeah for sure but before then you were racing um you know mid to late 90s in new york i'm sure the surrounding mm-hmm. states as well what was the, the local mo- local moto scene like back in those days it was I did, it, honestly it was awesome um i had phenomenal people to look up to when i was a kid um racing locally i mean uh an old school name that I grew up with that was two years older than me, you know, um, Jay Weller, Jason Lawrence, uh, Johnny Lawrence. Um, you know, I, I had really good competition that was two years older than me. So I always had something to kind of go off of. Um, and to be quite frank, they always kind of kicked my ass, um, you know, and then I had, you know, my age group battles with, um, like Mike Picone and stuff like that. So, um, I had, I had really good talent in, in New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and even New England. Um, the, the motor community was, was, was really strong at that point in time. And, and not only that, but as a kid, when I got to watch the, the A class and stuff, because we used to have a series called like the Northeast Classic and whatnot, but our vet riders, you know, were, top 10, top 12 pros, and they all had national numbers back then. Barry Carson, Bruce Stratton, Casey Clark, um, Kevin Krein, Damien Plotz. Like, I had all the Varakas. Like, I had awesome pros to always watch. Um, so I was, uh, I was very for Ty Wallace. I mean, I can go on and on of uh, legends in um, that area that um, I could always look up to. So that was a, that was pretty badass. That is. Yeah. And, and back then it was totally different. Now everyone just rides at training facilities, but back then you, you race every single weekend, pretty much every single weekend. Like, I mean, and if I was doing bad in school, my dad would keep me home from, uh, from going to the races and stuff like that. And it would just wreck me if I wasn't at the race on a Saturday or Sunday. And, you know, I, you know, and I give it to my dad as well. Like, you know, He'd work Monday through Friday, just like a lot of dads would. And then we would pack the truck and then we would try and go and hit uh, races Saturday and Sunday. And then he would drive five hours home and, you know, I would sleep and he would go to work Monday morning and I would go to school. And we did that literally probably 40 weekends out of the year. Um, And it was, uh, it was kind of, kind of awesome. But, you know, back then we always used to have locally uh, open practices in our district races and, um, on Wednesdays. So I would always wait as a kid when I was between, I don't know, maybe seven and 12, like hoping my dad would take me out of school early to go do these open practices. Cause I, I hated riding by myself, even though I was, I was spoiled and had my own place to ride, but mm-hmm. I always loved getting pulled out of school to be able to go to our local track to ride at an open practice, you know? So, um, it's crazy how those, those memories and feelings stick with you all the way till to now, you yeah. know? Yeah. It's just a different era. And it's just cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't, uh, I don't think, I don't know. It's just, yeah, it's, it's weird. I don't know. Off tangent, it's just weird because I'm at club MX now and I have been for, you know, 10, 12 years mm-hmm. and just what, the, what I have in my, you know, um, 
disposal right now compared to kids that come there that were my age. It's just like, what, are you fucking kidding me? You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's mind-blowing. Yeah, yeah. And Okay, so your first... Your first Florida Lens is 99. Um, was yeah. that your first amateur national? And if not, where was it? And why did you guys decide to go to that next level? Um, so I was kind of winning locally quite a bit. Um, and we always heard about Loretta's, Loretta's. And like I said, I we had Jason Lawrence and, and Jay Weller like that. They were my elite at that time, you know, when I was seven and eight, nine and stuff. So like I always kind of wanted to be like, be like them. Um, and I remember they would come back with like five N on their, on their Cobra fifties or three N or one N or whatever. And I'm just like, Holy fuck, you know, they're the, they're the best in the nation, you know? And, um, we tried in fifties, uh, we tried in 95 and we tried in 96. Um, my fifties always broke at, at the regionals or I kind of blew it. I tried in 97, blew it. Um, tried 98, fucking blew it. Um, and I finally made it down to Loretta's seven to nine. Um, I can't remember if it was seven to nine stock or mod, but stock. So. Uh, yeah, it was stock. So, and that was the first year I had met Zach Osborne, frozen ocean regional. Um, and he and I, and I thought his mechanic, Al Allbiker at the time was his dad because, uh, his ex dad, Mark was never around. He was always working or doing his drag, um, drag car racing or whatever. So we met Zach and we battled tooth and nail at that fucking regional. And I remember it clear as day today. And Zach, obviously everyone knows he's a short little stubby fat kid, but fuck, he hauled ass. And, uh, we battled and I finally made it uh, in one class. I didn't make it in the other. Um, but my, you know, my mom and dad decided to, to take me down there to Loretta's. And like I said, we had no fucking clue what was going on. And when we pulled into Loretta's, we just happened to like pulled into the first spot we saw up on stage coach Hill. Um, and we had a pickup truck that we borrowed from somebody. Cause our pickup, we had a Nissan pickup truck, way too small. Uh, someone gave us a Dodge 1500 with a cap. It went down there with one bike. Me and my dad slept in the cab of the pickup. My mom slept in the bed with the cab. We had a mattress back there, air mattress. Um, and that was us for the week. And, uh, yeah, it was definitely an eye opener. Um, I don't know. I think I went 38, 10, three or some shit. So you get better. Uh, 38, seven, three, 38, seven, three. Yeah. It's crazy. how stuff like that yeah. <laughs> sticks with you. So yeah. Um, but getting third place in the last moto was kind of like, wow, you know, and, um, that's the first time I had ever seen Josh Hill. Um, and he was a fucking complete sicko on a 65 and, um, I remember him doing the double before the finish line in the red is back when it used to be a pretty decent double. And, um, yeah, just the level of the kids and stuff and Stroops and Izzy's back then, like it was, uh, yeah, it just feels like it was a different time, but can remember like it was yesterday. Yeah. And so is that, is that the time you're starting to like, okay, you do well there, you get a podium. Do, do sponsors start to go after you? Hmm. Yes and no. I mean, it's uh, it was weird. Like, um, you know, my dad and uh, he had a secretary at his work who would always help type up a resume for me. And um, it, it was so much different back then. I mean, it doesn't seem like it's that long ago, but it is. But I remember having to he would sit there, make me 
he would call the sponsors and then he would pass the phone to me and then I would talk to the sponsors, you know, as mm. well. And I was just this little kid. I didn't know fucking know what was going on, but um the the sponsors slowly started to come in at that point in time. They nothing really changed until like two thousand uh two thousand two. That's when stuff kind of really started to take off for me. So before that, like or two thousand, this stuck out to me. You raced a KTM sixty five and then a Cowie eighty five. Is that is that accurate? Uh I yeah, I forgot to admit, I went in two thousand. Yes. Um I rode sixty seven to eleven mod or some shit. Um is that right? I don't even remember. Yeah, we're a sixty and an eighty. Yeah. Um I had switched right before Loretta's. Um I actually kind of had a falling out with Cowie at the time. And, you know, I wasn't a Cowie kid, but uh, that year I was doing a high point regional. Him up, Cowie was slow as shit. Um, and Sean Hackley was there. And he always had the most badass Cowies ever. And his shit was just fucking yarding me. Um, and my dad went over to, I believe it was Jeff Chambers at the time, and said, hey, is there anything we can do with this thing to make it faster or whatever? And I'm pretty sure Jeff said something along the lines of like, oh, I'm pretty sure it's your kid or something like that, you know? And that kind of put my dad into it, not a tailspin, but he's kind of pissed off about it. Well, after that, I just happened to ride a CR80 at a local track. And I came off and I told my dad, I said, dad, this is the fucking fastest bike I've, I've ever ridden. He goes, really? I said, yeah. I said, it's way faster than my Cowie. And the next day, my dad had my Cowies for sale. Um, and I I went the Honda route. And um, back then, I was I, I dealt with a dealership called Town & Country, who are phenomenal, and they're still in business and, and, and great people. Um, but I left that dealership, and I went to uh, another kind of local dealership up by Albany called Matt's Honda. And that's kind of when the Honda train for my amateur career had kind of started. Perfect. Yeah, because 2002, you start on there. Um, when does Honda Houston come aboard? Honda Houston came on board in 2003. Yeah, 2003, um, which was my worst year. But 2002 was a really good year at Loretta's. Um, results really don't show it, but um, I went. I made it in one class, and then I got in as an alternate. So one class I ran 71, and the other class I ran 70, I'm pretty sure. Um, and I ended up pulling maybe a whole starter two and leading a lessee and RV at that time. Um, and for a little while and I did okay and that's kind of when Bill Savino and Dave Tomford um, and Sean Martin uh, kind of took light of, of me and whatnot um, and they, they again they were all great people and if it wasn't for Bill Savino and Dave Tomford at that time I I probably would have fell off the amateur scene because they, they kept me alive with bikes and parts through my career but uh, 2002 that's when the on the Houston thing happened, and in 2003 is when I was kind of full um, HHR. Did they have the full semi back then, those days? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was fucking badass. It was... I don't know. that The Honda scene back then was was next level. Um, it's nothing like what it is today. I mean, I wish wish Honda would get back to that um, somehow and make mini bikes and, and go back that route again, but that, that'll never happen. But uh, the Ride Red category... 
down to Loretta's and any amateur national was uh, was next level. Yeah. So okay. So you do the, the Honda Houston, then you gain the support of American Honda. Um, mm-hmm. Were you just still out of Honda Houston, or is it kind of a different setup? Uh, I was a different setup. It was. Uh, yeah, so it was 2003, I was on in Houston, 2004, I was also Honda of Houston, I rode, uh, again, I only qualified in one fucking class to make it to Loretta, so I only did 14-15 mod, uh, and I think I went 5-4-3 or something in, in, in uh, 2004, uh, and I... Um, Zach Osborne dominated, but Cole went two, two, two. <laughs> and then third place came down to me and Dunge and, uh, <clears throat> came down to the last moto. He and I were tied and it was just like, you know, winner take off a third. Well, uh, Dunge in the second moto actually crushed on me really bad in the middle, the tabletop. Cause it used to be really bad. And in the movie, at the beginning, you can actually see him crush over on me off the face and I jump off the side and I cartwheel. So everyone says Dunge is a good guy and clean rider. Well, go back and watch that video. He's not very clean, <laughs> but I'm joking. We bullshit about him now. But, uh, so yeah, I came back to, I don't know, fifth or something. Well, the second motor came down to, uh, yeah, we were tied and he just happened to stall it. I don't know, but going down a straightaway before the 10 commandments, it's so weird. I remember this shit so fucking vividly. And it was just enough for me to get by him. And then that was it. I ended up third. So after that, the, uh, the following year, 2005, that's when American Honda came in. Um, and they picked maybe eight kids that they wanted in the amateur ranks, um, that they wanted to support with bikes and parts budget. Um, and that's when I bumped up to the one, two, five and schoolboy. So, Okay. Yeah. So, oh five. Did you get hurt? Yeah, I broke. I broke my femur on Mother's Day, um, right before the regional. So I couldn't. Uh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't get the race. Loretta's and um, I think that was a back then. It's not like how it was now, but Schoolboy was a really pivotal class of the next generation coming up, and and I missed that. And Donge and Stroop and Osborne. Um, they kind of get to showcase what they were capable of in schoolboy. Um, and I just, I happened to go to Loretta's that year and I just sat on the sidelines, like disgusted because I felt like my CR 125, because that year Honda came out with a new one. Um, it was revamped and it was super fast and, um, everything was dialed in for me, but I couldn't, uh, I couldn't race. So it really, uh, I don't know. I think that year really could have, put a different trajectory on my career, but that is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And looking back, maybe it was a crucial B year for you or, you know, intermediate, but, uh, it kind of, this is where it all starts for you. Like Oh six, um, an A class. You did two years a at Loretta's, which wasn't really out of the ordinary back in those days. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not one by choice, I'm sure, because you wanted to get the support out of six, but, Mm-hmm. You, you did well both of those years. Um, ended up on, overall on the podium both years. Uh, mm-hmm. Just, just kind of go through those two years and um, just where your your head was at, and if if you really, especially after '06, like it, when you're heading into '07, did you really feel like it was all really worth it still, or did you think about packing it in, or just kind of go through? Yeah, your I thoughts? mean, it's yeah. There was a lot of uh, 
there was actually quite a few moving parts at that point in time. Um, 2006, you know, so after 2005, I went into 2006 and I'm like, well, you know, I missed, I didn't do any B class schoolboy, you know, I, I, I missed the schoolboy year. And then like B class back then was kind of like, eh, you know, like I didn't, I didn't give a fuck about that class to be honest. Like it's either you fucking did it in schoolboy or you did it in A class, you know? Um, and I always looked at like Ryan Mills and Davy Mills apps and stuff like that. And it was just like, dude, it's schoolboy A, schoolboy A, you know? Mm-hmm. So for me that that following year i was 16 i just turned 16 and i'm like you know we went a and it kind of turned out okay in 2006 uh, i got on the box uh, i think both both classes or just one um i can't remember but i thought it would have been good enough to be like okay we can maybe sign him for a team and i did back then they had this um toyota I forgot what it was called. I want to say like TMZ thing, but mm-hmm. uh, where they picked a kid and it went on, you went on to Motor World and Toyota gave you a truck and it was like $40,000 plus a truck. So overall, I think it was like 60 grand, let's say. Um, and they originally had picked me and I remember sitting there with Paul Lindsay and I believe Gary Semix was there, my dad and me and, you know, they're showing us this contract right at the picnic table next to the, you know, announcer's tower Loretta's and, we're looking at this thing and, um, you know, I think I was still a sophomore, uh, in, uh, high school and maybe I was a junior. I can't really remember. And, um, my dad said, you know, Phillips got one more year of school. I mean, what's, what do we do with this? Um, and Paul Lindsay said, he goes, Oh, well, school's not our problem. You know, it's either, you, you know, you, you do this or you don't and you have to move to California. And, as soon as he said that, you know, my dad got up and left the table, you know, cause my dad was really big on school for me, even though I was dumb as shit and got by with the skin of my teeth. But, um, that for him was kind of like, all right, well, if he can't do a school and like back then homeschooling, isn't like what it is now where you could just do it on a computer and it's kind of more basic or whatever. Mm. Um, so I, uh, he got up and left and my dad and I went, um, and we did the last two nationals on our own out of a pickup and trailer. And it was kind of okay, kind of bad, scored some points, um, should have finished top 10. Um, at Broom Tioga in the second moto, I crashed out, but uh, it made me have to go back to Loretta's the following year, which I, I didn't want to. And my dad didn't want to do that either, but that was the only option that we really had. Yeah, and I found this, uh, it's funny, this Racer X interview uh, excerpt that you have. It says, um, whoever conducted the interview said, well, all the guys that you mentioned battling with this past year, Hackley, Hill, Dungey, they all have factory rides next year. What are your plans for 07? And you say, I really don't have any. I'm pretty much just stuck in my hometown until the winter passes, waiting for the snow to melt. No teams really looked at me. I guess I didn't have the results or the publicity they wanted. I don't know what I need to do. I guess I just have to go and win some more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and it's, honestly, it's, that was true, you know. Um, so I thought, like, you know, and at the end of 06, Kennard had just went six or six in the B class at Loretta's, um, and I was in A class. Well, the real knife in the coffin is Ziggy signed Trey. Um, 
in hindsight, yes, okay, Trey went on to be a fucking badass, you know. Yeah. There, there's no doubting that. But at that time, is when Ziggy signed Trey, it was just like, fuck, you know, um, where do I go, you know, because uh, PC had Stroop coming up and Suzuki had Nico and, you know, Yamaha had Hill. Um, KTM had fucking Zach, you know, Star had Tickle and, you know, all these guys had everything. And I was just like, well, fuck, I'm <laughs> everyone, you know, musical chairs and I'm fucking the last one standing, you know? Yeah. Um, so that kind of really put a sour taste in my mouth. Um, but that's just, that's just business the way it goes. Um, and it had to, I had to go back to Loretta's the following year and, and, and do it all over again. So that's, um, that was it. I put a lot in, a lot of emphasis into 2007 to be as good as I could. Um, and, uh, it, it kind of ended up working out, um, after Loretta's, you I got, was able to sign a deal. Yeah. You got second overall in the motocross A pro sport. They had weird names for these classes back then. And then mm-hmm. MX lights, a pro sport. You got mm-hmm. third behind Canard and Izzy. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's legit. Yeah, it was legit, but you know, now looking back, I wasn't, you know, in a 20 minute moto back then, if you finished 20 or 10 seconds behind, that was a lot. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So you put that at a national, you know, that maybe looks like 25 seconds. So I wasn't truly on their speed or up, up, up to par with those guys. And um, they were all on somewhat factory bikes, you know, uh, Stroop's. You know, Extreme Green Cow, he was almost a legit PC bike, and Trey's factory connection bike was fucking legit, and so was Nico Suzuki. So, and I was on a privateer Honda with Terry Varner doing my engines, which, and it was a good bike, I'm not going to lie, but it still wasn't up to par with what they had. Um, so I was kind of, uh, yeah, beating my head up against a wall a little bit with that, but I, I, I felt like I still held my own, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, but you had a uh, Red Bull Jams helmet. That's cool. Yes, I did. Uh, I was uh, one of the first ones to be. Actually, I think it was the first one to be on the Jams program. Like a couple of us um, back then. Um, you know, Jeremy Mullen. It's it's funny now looking back in 2007 with that because like now I see Jeremy Mullen and like you know we're both older and mature back then Jeremy just looked like this, you know, California little surfer kid wearing Oakley's or whatever and board shorts and sandals, you know? So <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's kind of weird. And, uh, it's kind of actually really cool to see him still with the company, you know, at this point in time, um, you know, it's to, to stay with a company like that for a long time is, is, is pretty incredible. But, uh, yeah, I still have my Red Bull Jams helmet. So I was through my career. I've been a Red Bull helmet, a monster athlete and a rock star guy. So yeah, check. One, yeah. Check that off the box. But <laughs> dude, you had, um, yeah. So you get that, you go into 07, you get the motorsport. Was it motorsport then? Yeah. It's like Canada. Yeah. And, motorsport Cali. Yeah. yeah. Motorsport Cali. When do they approach you? Um, so I did, I'm trying to think what national it was. Um, I did steel city and then we did freestone because that was the first year, I believe freestone in 2007. I can't remember, but, um, I went there and I did the first moto and I did eh, okay. I don't know what happened. I had some issues as well, but, um, Bobby Hewitt and Ed Torrance came up to me 
um, in between the first and second moto. And Bobby Hewitt said, hey, I want to hire you for next year. And my dad's like, really? And he's just like, yes. Because um, we were going to leave from Freestone and go to Glen Helen because that was the last round in 2007. Um, he goes, yes. He goes, but I'm going to hire him, but I don't want you guys to race the second moto and I don't want you going to Glen Helen. And my dad was just like, fuck, yep, done, done and dusted. <laughs> Fill up, load your shit, we're getting the fuck out of here, you know? Um, so we, we packed our stuff and we headed back from texas to new york and i remember calling my mom and telling her i got a factory ride and like i said it wasn't much of a factory ride. i think i made 40 grand um you know so it's kind of uh wasn't a whole lot of money but um i thought it was going to be really good because um at that point in time i at torrance i always thought was well, he still is. I think he's a goat. He's an awesome dude, super smart. And I thought he was going to be a lot more involved in the pro team than what he was, but that never really happened. Um, he always ended up staying on the amateur side of things. And uh, I think my dad was kind of planning on him going to the pro side and kind of looking out for me a little bit. Um, but that didn't just didn't really happened uh in 2008 was kind of a rough year for me so um but before all that like my last couple years i gotta say there there was a family that really helped me because like i said right i come from family seven and you know my dad worked for the county and you know we didn't have a whole lot of money but there's a maresca family that sponsored me for the last two years of my amateur career and um for a lot of my pro career as well and i wouldn't have made it in the sport if it wasn't for them helping get me to the races and stuff. So, um, I just wanted to say that. So that's kind of, uh, yeah, they were, they were my saving grace. No, that's awesome. This sport is full of awesome people. And, and, mm -hmm. you know, along the way, it's just, yeah. you remember those who, who helped you when you needed it most, but mm -hmm. man, I mm -hmm. found this, this article full of gold. It's from the Sullivan County Democrat. Um, I know you love that name, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, it's from December 28th of 07. And you have a quote in here. It says now for the, the next seven or eight years, I can put my head down and retire at 26. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> fuck. Yeah, here we are, what, uh, nine years later, still here, grinding away. Um, and I love it. Yeah, I wish, uh, and the funny thing is, is I wasn't even really making money until I was fucking 24, 25, <laughs> so I was just a dumb, delusional kid like they are nowadays, you know. Um, yeah, I thought it would have been a lot different because back then, you know, you had the hills and Izzy's and all these troops, you know, on big money deals. And it was just like, you always thought that would, was attainable, but fuck, it took a long, long time to get to that point, you know? Yeah. And it's worth it. And you're still here and you're actually one the last one standing other than like Josh Hill. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'd like to say, yeah, I mean, yeah, Josh still racing, you know, competitive and supercross and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, if you would say now that I would have went longer and farther than Nico or um, Stroop, I would have said, dude, you're fucking high. But mm -hmm. um, did I amount to what Trey did? You know, no. Uh, did I win as many races as Stroop and Trey or Hill? No, but I felt like I still did okay, you know. Um, and it's weird now, like, looking back on it, even my dad, too, just like, man, there's so many things we could have done different. 
you know, um, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and you know we just gone to a different race or a different class or a different bike or here or there and just kind of like really made the right choice it could have made uh, made a huge difference in the long run but you never really know and to be honest with you i wouldn't change the path that i had either you know to have one of those other guys you know like yeah they might have made more money up front um but in the end i think i kind of came out the winner compared to most of them yeah, I'd agree, man. It's uh, it's been been a good ride. I mean, you're obviously still not done. You're gearing up for a new season, so mm-hmm. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's awesome. Like it's just yeah, yeah. It, uh, yeah, it's it's wild to go back and look at how amateur racing now has changed from you know even me like when I was a kid and um, to the kids now or the even the kids before me. Um, just uh, that the evolution of the sport and whatnot, but um, you know. Were we going as fast on the 60s as they are now? I would like to say so, but obviously our KTM 65s are nowhere near what the KTM 65s are today. Yeah, you know, um, so it's uh, yeah, it's all relative. So I think it's uh, it's pretty it, it, it's pretty cool. Well, thanks, Phil. This was awesome. It was a good good trip down memory lane. Yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, it's kind of wild. You don't really, you always, well, for me, you're always looking at the next thing in A1 and, you know, the next years and contracts, you know, to come, but you never really sit down and look at, like, yeah, the trip that it took to to get all the way here, you know? Um, and even just a fast track makes it, uh, talking about it's kind of kind of cool. Yeah, and you remember so much, so I was, I was pumped on that. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, I'm old, but uh, dementia hasn't kicked in yet, but. Sooner or later, it's coming. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you never know when. Yeah. So. All right, man. Uh, yeah, but I appreciate you having me on, and hopefully, it's uh, yeah, it was kind of. It was fun. Yeah, know, and I'll while. I'll definitely see you at a race this year. I'll stop by and say hey. All right, sounds good, buddy. I I appreciate it, and uh, thanks to the Verb guys for finally getting me on for something. Hey, eh? we'll make it happen more. I promise. Okay. <laughs> Tell Wes I said suck it. All right. I will for you. All for right. Sure. Thanks, buddy. All Talk right. to you. See you. See ya. Honestly, I think that was one of the coolest interviews I've ever done. Recency bias for sure, but man, Phil knew a lot. He remembered. I, I didn't think he would. He kind of like was like, I don't know, man. I don't think I'll be able to remember all this, but he's, he's good, man. This is why we love Phil Nicoletti. He remembers everything. He always has a story and he's always going to be himself. So thanks, Phil. Thanks for going on memory lane with me. I appreciate you. And that'll do it for this week's episode. Thanks to Bob Dog. Thanks to Duke Dog. Thank you, Ginger Dog. Thanks to Chili Dog Wes. Thanks to Bird Dog. Thanks to Slaw Dog. Thanks to Boots Dog, CMXR Dog. Thanks, Chase Stallo. Um, thanks, Ashton Blocks, for coming home. Shout out to the squad. And thanks to Phil Nicoletti. And thanks to you guys for listening. We'll be back next week with a new episode. See ya.